1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 50. 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 50. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon, and arose and went and caught hold on the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah feareth King Solomon. For lo, he hath caught hold on the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. David is frail and near to death. And in these circumstances, his son Adonijah has attempted to proclaim himself as king. Although he knew that David had decreed that Solomon should be his successor. Adonijah has gathered around him an influential group of supporters. But David has acted swiftly in response to the threat. And he has formally installed and anointed Solomon as king. So Solomon is now actually on the throne, even though David is still alive. Adonijah realises that he has been thwarted and that he is now effectively guilty of treason. So he has fled for sanctuary to the Lord's altar in Jerusalem. And he cries out to the new king for mercy. We read here of the four horns at the four corners of the altar. And so these four horns were an integral part of the altar's structure. The animal sacrifices offered up in atonement for sin were tied with cords to these four horns or protrusions at the corners of the altar. So they had a very practical purpose. To grasp the horns of the altar was a last resort for a condemned man. And Adonijah did this to try and demonstrate that he was repentant and that he was throwing himself upon both the mercy of God and the mercy of the king. And so in response to this very dramatic act of Adonijah, we read in verse 52, And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not an hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. This then is Solomon's response to Adonijah's plea for mercy. 
if his repentance is from the heart, having resolved never to return to any such evil scheming, then Adonijah can be assured of Solomon's mercy. Verse 53. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to thine house. So not only is Adonijah's life spared, but Solomon does not even confiscate his estates. The major question, of course, however, is this. Will Adonijah's repentance be a lasting repentance? Subsequent events prove that it will not. Because Adonijah will make further claims upon the throne, forcing Solomon to order his execution. If we glance forward to chapter 2 and verse 24, we read this. Now therefore, as the Lord liveth, which hath established me, and set me on the throne of David my father, and who hath made me an house as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death this day. So here we see that despite this dramatic act of repentance by Adonijah in grasping the horns of the altar, he does not maintain his repentance. And he comes under the justice of the king, Solomon, even though Solomon had formerly shown much mercy to him. Now, as the rightful king of Israel in David's line, Solomon is typical of the Lord Jesus Christ. He points us forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who now occupies the throne of David in heaven. The ascended Christ is he who must reign till he hath put all his enemies under his feet. Whoever today ceases from his rebellion against this rightful kingship of Christ, resolving henceforth to renounce all sin, shall receive free and full forgiveness, and also the gift of everlasting life. Repentance, however, must not be only an initial act. Repentance is not something that one does just at the beginning of one's Christian life. Repentance must be ongoing and permanent. No one can ever take advantage of God's mercy without there being 
true repentance in the heart. And that is one of the reasons that we very gently say that, for example, when a terrorist atrocity is committed, there is no obligation upon Christians to immediately forgive the perpetrators of the atrocity. The issue is, is their true repentance in the heart of the evildoer. Now, our works will never be the meritorious basis of our salvation. We are saved by grace alone. Nevertheless, if a professing Christian is not producing lasting fruits of holiness, then how can the Holy Spirit be said to be dwelling within him? And so there needs to be seen in the life of every Christian ongoing fruit of repentance. Our holiness of life is the demonstration that our repentance is real. And so no Christian can say, I I repented 5, 10, 20 years ago and use that as a kind of justification for ongoing laxness in his current conduct. And so, as we look at Adonijah, who, it appears, engaged in true heartfelt repentance, but we see that it was not ongoing repentance, we are being taught about the need for perseverance in the Christian life. We are called to persevere to have an ongoing attitude of repentance, to pursue all holiness throughout our Christian life. And so we cannot, as Christians, rest on our laurels, rest upon an act of repentance in the past. Adonijah repented in the past, but he was not of a repentant heart when the decree of execution finally came upon him. In Hebrews 12 and verse 14, believers are exhorted to follow holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If we have no holiness as professing Christians, we shall never see heaven. Now these are very challenging words. And yes, we are saved by grace apart from our works. But on the day of judgment, we are going to be judged according to our works. Now no one spoke more about justification by faith apart from works than the Apostle Paul. But listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. 
we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. So believers, saved by grace alone, are still after going to give an account before God concerning how they have put his grace working in their lives to use. A man having initially repented must then carry on with a life of repentance. We can never rest on our Christian laurels. We can never rest upon a wonderful experience in the past. We cannot become complacent because we have been obedient in the past or because we have served faithfully in the past. The issue is, are we being faithful today? We must constantly maintain a state of spiritual watchfulness. Paul said these words in Romans 8:13. If ye live after the flesh, ye must die. But if by the Spirit ye mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So Paul tells believers that they must keep on putting to death the old nature in the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Lord taught in Matthew 7 and verse 17, Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but the corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And so we see that faith without the accompanying works of holiness and obedience is a dead faith. 1 John 2 verse 3 Hereby know we that we know God if we keep his commandments. The acid test of being born again is keeping the commandments. It's not some wonderful experience in the past. It's not, oh, the Lord wonderfully healed me. The test of being born again is keeping the commandments. Faith and obedience cannot be separated. Repentance from all sin is not a one-off act, but has to be the Christian's permanent way of life. 
Now we read in verse 52 here. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not an hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness shall be found in him, he shall die. The mercy which Adonijah here has just received cannot be presumed to continue if his repentance does not continue. And this remains a a gospel principle today. He who has turned from sin and believed in Christ must persevere in his path right until the very end. Salvation received confers no license for some sinning later on. On the pretext that we are now not under law but under grace. The epistle to the Hebrews teaches much about this. Hebrews 10 verse 35. Cast not away your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye may receive the promise. And then a couple of verses further on, verse 39. We are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And so saving faith includes persevering to the end. We need patience, endurance. Hebrews 6 verse 11. We desire that each one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. And so we need to persevere. We do not taper off in the Christian life. We do not, as it were, resort to our pipe and slippers in the Christian life. We do not go into retirement. We should be coming more and more vigorous as we approach the end of our earthly course. And even though physically a man might become weaker, he should be becoming stronger in his spirit. Hebrews 12 verse 1 Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What is the point of an athlete giving all he's got for four-fifths of the race and then tapering off on the final stretch? He'll lose the race. 2 Peter 2, verse 20. If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world 
through the knowledge of the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So Peter is teaching here that it is possible for Christians to begin very well and then to go astray. He continues of such, it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. To follow Christ requires continual separation from and resistance to all the subtle forces of the unbelieving society in which we live, which would have us compromise and abandon the biblical faith. And many, many churches are now compromising with the world in key areas of morality and doctrine. To follow Christ means ensuring that as the flesh lusts against the spirit, we continue with all diligence to mortify the deeds of the flesh by the power of the spirit. And so we might have been a believer for many, many years, but today we have to make sure that the spirit overcomes the lusts of the flesh. Are we being holy and obedient and diligent today? Whatever our record in the past might be. Now, as we move into chapter 2 here in verse 1, we read, Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be thou strong therefore. So David is dying. And he gives counsel to his son and successor Solomon. He reminds him of human mortality and tells him that he must be strong in the Lord. There is no place for half-heartedness in the Christian life. Britain is in the desperate mess that it is in because of half-heartedness in the churches. Colossians 3 verse 23 And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. People are dying all around us. They're going swiftly into an everlasting hell. Can we be half-hearted about that? We have to have a sense of urgency. Notice what David says to Solomon here in verse 2. 
Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. There must be a steely resolve to serve God no matter what the difficulties and no matter what the pressures of an unbelieving society all around us might put upon us. And we now live in a society where they are doing everything because they're worried about social cohesion to promote the legitimacy of all faiths. And so Christians and Muslims and Hindus and Jews must all come together for the good of social harmony. Well, of course, we love our neighbour of another faith. But we cannot worship with him We cannot make common cause with him. False religion is of the devil. Krishna is not our God. Allah is not our God. But the multi-faith movement is now going forward in Leaps and bounds. Churches are twinning themselves with mosques. Show thyself a man. Do we just want a nice reputation of being well-educated, sophisticated people who love to embrace diversity? Do we want to have this reputation of being really nice, broad-minded people? Or are we going to show ourselves to be men and stand up for Jesus Christ as the only way? Show thyself a man. And the Christian must not remain as a child. He must become a man. He must mature in the faith. Hebrews 5 verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Are we skilled in the knowledge of the scriptures that we can take on and confront this evil, Christ-rejecting world in which we live? All around us, we are surrounded by God-rejecting, anti-Christian philosophers. We need to stand up to all these wicked movements, these God-rejecting movements. The whole LGBT scene, the whole climate change scene, 
God is in control of the climate, not man. We need to know the scriptures. We read in verse 3 here of chapter 2. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God. To walk in his ways. To keep his statutes and his commandments. And his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses. That thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest. And whithersoever thou turnest thyself. So notice that David tells Solomon that the written word must be his guide. As it is written in the law of Moses. Solomon will only prosper as he remains obedient to God's law. There are of course similarities here between what David says to Solomon... And what the Lord once said to Joshua. Joshua 1 verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. That thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, as much as we disagree with Islam, up in Birmingham, a large number of Muslim parents have been gathering outside local schools, protesting about the immoral indoctrination of their children by the liberal educational establishment. Now, for all their errors, these Muslim friends rightly believe that marriage should only be between a man and a woman. And so, here we have these Muslim people making a stand for the truth. Are the Christians making a stand for the truth? Are the Muslims going to outdo us in standing up for the law of God in the public sphere? Be thou strong and very courageous. Show thyself A man. Verse 4. That the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. The Lord had promised David that his royal line would never be cut off. But note that the promise is conditional. The blessings will come 
if David's sons walk before God in truth with all their heart. If thy children take heed to their way. Now, we know, of course, that many of David's descendants would not keep the charge of the Lord. And indeed, Solomon himself would tragically disobey God's law in later life. The Lord will only bless the nation with strong and secure leadership if those leaders are honouring him. Solomon's sin, and of course David's sin before him, led to all kinds of problems, national problems. And so Solomon himself, sadly, did not persevere. Thankfully he did repent and became stronger at the end of his life. But he did not persevere throughout. And as we see here, Adonijah's repentance would not be ongoing. He did not persevere in faithfulness. And so it is with us. Yes, God's love is unchanging. He upholds us. He keeps us. But that does not nullify the need to practice ongoing repentance and obedience. The Christian life must be characterised by an unceasing diligence and striving after holiness. Every day is a challenge. Am I going to be holy this day? Because we can be sure that something will happen during the day which will tempt us to moderate our holiness somewhat. Something will irritate us. Something will annoy us. And so, David's descendants, we are told here, must take heed to their way. Now that implies the need for circumspection. We have to carefully consider all our actions. Paul emphasises this in Ephesians 5 and verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we should be carefully looking around us as we conduct our Christian walk. We must be thinking about our every step. Is this honouring to the Lord? Proverbs 4, verse 26. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. 
So we should be thinking about how we are behaving. And we must persevere in the paths of obedience. Galatians 6 verse 9 Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We shall reap if we faint not. But if we do faint, then the implication is that we shall not reap. 2 Peter 1 verse 5 Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And so that has to be the virtue of a holy life added to our faith. Faith on its own is not enough. And to virtue, add knowledge. We have to know the scriptures. And to knowledge, add temperance. The works of the flesh have to be tempered, moderated, restrained. And to temperance, add patience. Patience means keeping on and on. And to patience, add godliness. Our lives should reflect the holiness of Christ himself. And to godliness add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness add charity. Charity there meaning love in action, loving our neighbour. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, you shall never fall. And so we have to be diligent. We do not sit back and say, I was saved so many years ago. But we are diligent every day. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. The Lord Jesus Christ will spew lukewarm Christians out of his mouth. So here is a challenge to all of us. Let us avoid being lukewarm. One is either a wholehearted, persevering believer or one is not a believer at all. As we consider Adonijah here, as we see him grasping the horns of the altar and crying out for mercy, and as we consider David's dying words to Solomon about the need for ongoing obedience, we learn that God's mercy to sinners does not negate the need for those who have received that mercy to then lead obedient lives. Adonijah, it looked like true repentance as he grasped the corners of the altar. But his repentance 
was not wholehearted and ongoing. He eventually had to be executed. Whoever today comes to Christ in repentance and faith, receiving his mercy, must do so with a resolve to persevere to the very end. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Faith and obedience cannot be separated. Faith without works is dead. Our faith and obedience must be persevering faith and obedience. Now yes, God's grace will keep us to the very end. But that does not negate our need by God's grace to exercise ourselves unto perseverance. Because the Lord Jesus Christ declared that it is only he that endureth to the end who shall be saved. Amen.